The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on a Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, my home base. As this program is intended to bring you light, important aspects about the world of work and how we conduct to it, one way we do that is we bring on guests who have purposely chosen their work and or who find it fulfilling. The idea is to provide an ongoing menu of nutritional guests, if you will, who share their experience of finding meaningful work, and they teach us a few things about what they've learned along the way, and maybe inspire us to pursue our own career dreams. Before we get into today's program, let me take a moment to thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. If you're not familiar with them, Jobbing.com is the leading locally focused job board in the nation. They are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard and giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. I appreciate their partnership. We're each trying to help people do the work they want. So this week, we'll, we'll be conversing in style and about style. With us today is... Edu Popkin. He is the CEO and founder of Edu Popkin of Switzerland. Apart from the smashing first impression he makes because of how he dresses, I was interested to have him on the show because he comes from four generations in the clothing business, and I wondered how this experience of heritage has formed his sense of self and the work he does. And he also does business in many parts of the world, so I'll be fascinated to learn how he spends his time and keeps all the plates spinning. Edo joins us today from West Palm, Florida. Edo, it's great to have you with me on the show. Welcome. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, me too. Me too. I have to first just tell the listeners quickly how I found you because it's a fun story. Um, just less than a week ago on Friday night, the two of us found ourselves sitting next to each other for the Dallas Opera's Great Scott first night. And, you know, it's assigned seating. I'm at the table here, and I really don't know who this good-looking gentleman is next to me, but I know his name is Edlo Popkin because there's an assigned seat name there next to, him, next to him or in front of him. But I happen to glance up, and I look at the big poster of sponsors, and I see he's listed as one. So I immediately ask him, who are you and what do you do? What do, what, what do you do to help the, the opera? So that's how I met this wonderful man. And when I heard a little bit about his story, I said, you got to come on my show, and he agreed. So let's start with that, if we can, Ed, though. You were one of the sponsors for the Dallas Opera. What was your role as a sponsor, and what did you do to support the event? Well, yes, the uh, opera is something, uh, it's first of all a special event uh, in itself. Uh, it brings together a very interesting, uh, intelligent, uh, cosmopolitan crowd, which is... Um, what I like to see uh, and meet in uh, Dallas when I'm there. Um, it's a whole different crowd from what we usually see at other events. Uh, some same faces, of course, always there. But 
some new faces, and that, that's interesting. The conversation is always very good. It was my second participation. Last year was the first. This year was the second. That was uh, chosen by Ronda Sargent Chambers, who has a very, very good runway show production firm in Dallas. She used to be a model herself, knows everything in and out. She actually brought me to the show because there have always been in the past only women's apparel designers. There has not been any men's designers. And she felt like I was the right guy to do it. And uh, when she came up uh, and asked me uh, two years ago if I would like to participate, I uh, felt honored and uh, appreciated it and also felt like it would be a good addition to what's already out there. And and who was your contact again? What was the person's name? Uh, Ron Sargent Chambers. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, I did see... Go ahead, go ahead. You were going to say something, Edo? Yeah, she produced uh, the small runway show that we had at the luncheon, which was held uh, the day prior to uh, the event where we met. Uh, and um, she is a very well-connected well uh, person in the fashion industry in Dallas. Mm. Well, I don't know what all you did design for, for, for that, but I did take a picture of that beautiful red suit on the gentleman uh, the evening for, of, our, of our event. What else did you provide the opera? Well, last year, um, Everest was uh, the theme for me, and I designed um, uh, a real, real like mountain type of outfit, which kind of suits us well as a Swiss company. Uh, so I had some uh, very bright, uh, velvety orange pants matched up with a sport coat uh, made out of a very special herringbone loden fabric in light uh, gray melange tones um, with a fur collar and uh, repeated some of those uh, orange velvet uh, accent colors um, as parts of the design of the jacket. Mm. I really, really applaud your your ability, though I'm so not creative at all, and I really appreciate the work that you do. I did see Everest um, last year. It was a wonderful production. I'm glad to know you were part of that as well. Thank you. So let's talk about that wonderful accent of yours. Of course, uh, I'm interested in, in learning a little bit about your background, and I've got some questions designed to do just that. But I think you told me that you're of German origin, but you live in Switzerland today. Why Switzerland? Uh, that is correct. That is correct. I am um, um, born in Germany, raised, I grew up there. I studied most of the time in Germany. And um, there was a moment in time where I felt like I needed to broaden my horizon a little more. And I absolutely wanted to improve my French. And uh, my mother back then, uh, speaking seven languages perfectly, uh, said, Ido, why don't you go to Switzerland instead of France, which was my first thought. Um, and I said, you know what, that's a great idea. I've always loved Switzerland, but I never spent enough time there to fully appreciate it. So I went to the French-speaking part of Switzerland, worked for my mother's company, which is a women's apparel uh, company, and uh, had the possibility to work and practice at the same time. I took a private teacher uh, twice a week, only for an hour and a half or so, whenever it was possible because of travels. But uh, that helped me to improve my French uh, quite a bit, so that today uh, I would say I speak it quite well. 
Mm. Of course, I'm jealous. We we spent a little bit of time talking about languages over dinner, but I know, of course, you speak German, you speak French, you speak English. Is there anything else you speak? Uh, I would not say anything that I really fully uh, maîtrise, as we would say in French. Uh, so I would say I speak a little bit of Spanish and Italian, but that is more for work purposes in the design industry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was wondering if, do you get to use these languages pretty frequently then? I'm obviously, you're French, you're there, you're living in that, you're English as well, I guess. What about Spanish and, and Italian? Do you use that pretty frequently or no? Uh, Italian, uh, I, use, uh, I use quite often because um, Italy is not only a neighborhood uh, country to uh, Swiss, uh, Switzerland, but it's also uh, a country where we do a lot of work. Um, most of my uh, accessories Everything that's silk, um, for example, or even small things like uh, cufflinks, et cetera, et cetera, are manufactured there. Mm-hmm. Um, our mills that we work with for all our tailored clothing business, uh, all the suitings, uh, uh, top coats, everything that's uh, very fine wool that comes from Italy uh, out of the Biella region. Um, and therefore, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Italy quite often uh, to... Uh, to do my business right there. Mm-hmm. I would say that I apologize, and I'm sorry you have to go to Italy, but I wouldn't mean it if I said it, because I love that place. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's talk about where you come from. One of the things that was so stunning to me about your background, Edo, is just the idea that you come from four generations of clothiers. And so you've literally, truly, not just grown up in the business, but maybe it's just a part of the, literally your fabric, if you will. So I really want to understand, did you ever contemplate maybe pursuing another line of work, something outside of the clothing field and leaving that business line? And that, that is a very, very good question. I actually like it because... Uh, uh, back uh, in the time when I was going to school and I was trying to wrap my mind around what would be my future in terms of profession, um, the thing that came to my mind first was always car design. I always wanted to design cars. Nice. Um, I, I, I was drawing cars since I was like one or two years old. Um, I was fascinated by cars and um, I always designed and drafted out on a piece of paper with a pencil the next generation of the, whatever new BMW model will come out or what, or Porsche or so. Uh, and and those, those were rather futuristic back then, looking back. Um, but uh, that's something that I always had a passion for. Uh, I love that angle. I like the lines. I like to work with, with, with shapes and three dimensions. And um, um, so I never wanted to be a fireman or any of that sort. But car designer was something that I absolutely uh, admired and wanted to become until I found out that uh, the way there uh, could take much longer than my impatience would allow me. <laughs> so uh, I um, had a very interesting uh, story. Um, I'll try to keep that very short for now to where, where it made click to me. And I said, I need to design fashion. Uh, I was doing an internship at my, my parents' company back then in the buying department, and we uh, just needed to turn around some new items relatively quickly from the drawing board uh, to, uh, to the stores and, and, and to, the, to the warehouse. Um, uh, and um, I, was, I was really able to go from an idea, from a creation, from a draft to a ready-made item 
uh, and the delivery actually of that um, in in somewhere between four and six weeks. Um, and that really just worked and clicked with my, um, I, I would say, with my impatience. Because if you look into car design and you go a little deeper into how much time it takes to develop a new model, a new body style, and all everything that goes underneath, then you're talking seven years. Wow. Uh, so the, the life cycle of a premium automobile, any of the, I would say, German or Italian brands also on, have, a, have a life cycle of about seven years until the next new model comes in between they're just little uh, facelift or mid-cycle refreshes or so on. But, but seven years is a long time. And so I could not wrap my mind around the idea of having something that is uh, created now and then goes to market in seven years. That, that was totally impossible for my thinking. So that's, that was back then. Uh, today, uh, I'm actually uh, branching out a little more into the lifestyle spectrum of what I'm doing because you just said or asked me, uh, Elise, uh, would there be something else that you would be doing today or now? Uh, I love fashion, but I always need to look for something new and different and something that contributes to what I'm doing in a certain way, an extension of fashion. And so I'm branching more into lifestyle products like um, I have my own uh, champagne, for example, Ah. Uh, that we uh, produce in France um, on a very small, very high-end scale. And, and I love to take time to do that. Um, I spend quite some time at my uh, chateau in France. Um, every other weekend or so I'm going. It's not very far from Switzerland. And it uh, allows me to wind down, think about something else than fashion and being an entrepreneur and and all the things attached to that. Uh, so so the, that that's something that's very interesting and important uh, for me to do to also clear my mind from all the other things. So um, I like to do branch out a little more on that side. And um, there's a lot more to come. Mm. Well, you certainly had my, my attention the moment you said champagne, Edo. I, I also enjoy champagne. Um, how wonderful. I don't think, if you told me that at dinner, I do not remember that. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm I intrigued. Did, you you did were you? actually able to get me the right glass, you remember? Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I. Well, it wasn't actually my doing. I'd like to take credit for that, but actually the, you somehow were able to import, impart that to the server, and she heard your message and eventually got around to it. Uh, I was just able right. to present it to you. <laughs> they, uh, see, you were sitting next to me, so you got the credits. Oh, well, okay, I'll take it. Now, was that your champagne <laughs> you were drinking? Was that your own champagne? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No. I would have snuck a sip had I known it was your champagne. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was not my champagne to worry about. You didn't miss anything yet. Okay, okay, good. Um, what a wonderful conversation! Just what I was hoping for, and really appreciate you taking the time to to share this with us. I think I knew it would be extraordinarily interesting to to me and to our listeners. And so, thank you for this, Ed. Though it's it's fun. It's my pleasure to be there with you, Elise. Well, one of the things that I also found interesting, since I have looked at various kinds of family businesses, and when you pass the baton on to the next generation, it's sometimes hard to, to break force a little bit. And, but you did, because the rest of your family, I believe, focused on selling women's clothing, and you decided to focus on men's clothing. Why men's clothing? Well, yes, it, it's true. I, I have worked with the, the family business for, for many years and developed it and, and brought new ideas and innovations, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it has always been a problem for me to wrap my mind around anything that is broad-based, that is, um, 
I wouldn't want to say mass production, but that is, I would say, uh, very much for a very broad part of the market. Uh, I always like uh, things that are a little more exclusive, uh, that are well-made, that are very limited in terms of availability. So uh, to me, something being exclusive doesn't mean it has to be expensive. It just has to be limited. Okay. Uh, and and um, I, I wanted something that not everybody else is wearing. Uh, I have participated throughout my life at so many events and happenings uh, all over the world, I almost have to say, including all the travels and so on. Um, there's nothing worse for me than going to any kind of event happening, dinner or restaurant or whatsoever, or club or bar, and uh, and, and uh, three people are wearing, wearing the same shirt or the same shoes or... Um, the same tux that happens all the time in Dallas. People, yes, you know, it you does. Go to a place, and, and and the obvious things are there like multiple times, um, which kind of takes away from the from the personality of the person who's really wearing it. Because you, you know, if you everybody's unique, so why why don't we start helping people to dress more uniquely too? to express that and that doesn't need to be in a form of very loud expression it can be a very distinguished very very subtle a difference but 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 visible uh, and that's that's uh, my approach I love that, Edo, and I want to comment more about that after the break, but it is time for our first break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're, we've been on the air with Edo Popkin, the CEO and founder of Edo Popkin of Switzerland. We've been talking a bit about how he got into his business, why he chose it. After the break, we're going to learn more about what it is that keeps him in the business. Stay with us. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. 
Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. If you're just joining us, my guest is Edo Popkin. He is the CEO and founder of Edo Popkin of Switzerland. He joins us today from, uh, I think he said, West Palm, Florida. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, and let's pick up where we left off. We were talking a bit about some of the things that you, why did you choose to go the men's route versus the women's? And I just have to say a couple things quickly about and recognize what you've been saying here, Edo, because as a meaning and work researcher, you're talking about first you chose um, staying in clothing versus pursuing your your work in auto because you said I've got a shorter attention span. It takes seven years to design a car. It takes maybe a few months or weeks to do so for clothing. I, I love the fact that you're been you've been able to match your own personal tendencies to your work. And then before you were talking about how people express themselves through the clothing that they wear that you design. And so, so much of what you're discussing is right smack in my wheelhouse around how we talk about who people are and their identities and how it shows up at work. So you really are a perfect guest here. It's just yummy. (laughs) Thank you. So uh, what I want to ask you next then is what is it that you most enjoy about the work you're doing? Now you're you're designing clothes, you're selling clothes all over the world, you're getting into the lifestyle part of it as well. What is it that you enjoy about the work you're doing? I think the the part that I enjoy the most uh are the happy faces of my customers. Uh I I try to spend uh, as much time as I can at the point of sale. Uh, I have a store in Zurich, uh Switzerland, which is my uh my base, and um, that is something where I go on Fridays, on Saturdays, and whenever we host an event, uh, which I love, that's a um, very important time for me to get feedback um, from my customers, also from my staff, that uh, gives me the feedback from customers that cannot participate uh, or cannot be there during that time. So uh, I really like to spend time on the floor, as you guys would say. And, and be out there and uh, see and talk to the customers. And I meet customers that I've never met before, and they're probably customers for 10 years or so already because we're just going to celebrate our 11th anniversary next week when I get back to Switzerland on the 13th of November. And um, it's going to be another great opportunity to just see everybody and talk to them and get the, the stories of their experiences uh, with our clothing, uh, which are all, always wonderful to hear. But also, I would like to say that it's important to always reinvent yourself. I, I need uh, to also hear and see what's not working or what could work better or what some people would like to see that I don't have in my collection. So it's, it's also important to see, uh, get a little bit of a I would say positive critique, um, and even if it's negative, that's also helpful. We constantly uh, working on improving our products, the workmanship, uh, the details. Um, there's not much room uh, to do it much better. Honestly, I'm very Japanese. You can, uh, in that sense, uh, my first name Edo is Japanese. Mm. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure if that has anything to do with the fact that I like things to be perfect, but. Um, I know that that um, I, I'm I'm a most most critical customer um, myself because I'm wearing my own clothes and if they're not perfect I'm I'm freaking out it's I can't stand it uh, so uh, and that's the same for my customers I like them to just look great and phenomenal when they walk out of the door I want them to come back and say Edo you've never had so many good compliments uh, received for what we're wearing uh, fabulous uh, I come back I bring my friends. 
that's what what I really work for is is, is those the feedback, the positive feedback of my customers, but also the critique that helps me to constantly improve my product. Mm. That is delightful, though. I mean, it's just delightful to hear that you are, it, just, it makes sense, right? If you have the kind of quality product and brand that you do, I can't be surprised that you are not welcoming feedback. That makes complete sense. But I really appreciate that you are constantly recalibrating your, your craft, your brand. Um, that, that's wonderful for our listeners to hear for their own work as well, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's important. I'll give you a little, a little story on top of that. It just comes to my mind as we speak. Um, before I brought my products to the, to the American market, I um, gave some of my shirts, which is my core competence um, in business. I gave some of my shirts to friends and family here in the U.S. and uh, tried asked them to test it, to just wear it and see what kind of feedback I would get. And the first thing we realized was everything's fine except for the buttons crack. Hmm. Uh, that happened uh, due to the dry cleaning process here in the U.S. That's slightly different from what we do in Europe. Um, here we have pressing machines that, that press uh, the goods on, on a form of a mannequin. And um, the problem with that is that uh, the pressure is sometimes not adjusted properly, and then uh, the steam and the heat make the buttons crack when the front part basically slams on the, on the button placket or the front placket of the shirt. So I went back to Germany and said, okay, we'll have to take this button apart and re-engineer the button. And we did. Um, I have a German button maker who was able and uh, capable to sit together with me to really uh, engineer, uh, I'm not kidding, <laughs> uh, to engineer a button that doesn't crack or that I would say hardly cracks. Um, and there's a certain uh, thought process behind that and finding out why it's cracking and so on. But uh, we were able to find a composite of, of natural materials that helps us to to get a beautiful three-hole button uh, that uh, is, first of all, perfect in itself uh, as just a button, but then also looks great on our, our items. Mm. I'm glad you told us that story. It does bring to life really just the focus that it takes for you to really excel in the quality that you do. And and I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that. And I do completely believe the whole story. The engineering the button sounds completely right. And I know what you mean by cracked buttons. We, we do run into that here. Even even on the women's line, that happens too. Um, yes, but I, I have to ask, since we're sort of talking about this and you've been sort of alluding to it anyway, is this notion of brand um, it, you know, you, it sounds to me like you've got a recognized worldwide brand. Um, and so maybe for our listeners who maybe don't yet know about you and your, your line of men's clothing, how would you describe your brand? Um, I, I would like to describe and, and almost compare my brand to a very fine champagne um, that is not mass-produced, uh, that only uses uh, the best uh, and finest grapes that are made and is not distributed through any form of mass distribution. So everything we do is very small in terms of quantity. It's very big in terms of quality. And design is always, I would say, a question of taste. But you have to understand quality and construction first before you start designing something. Most designers are having trouble with that. They have great ideas, they're creative, but they don't understand the, the construction part of the fabric, the construction of, of a sport coat, for example. 
Um, so, so I just happened to have had the chance that I could learn both throughout uh, the time and go into the depths of fabric and workmanship and, and production as well as the designing part, which is more my passion than it is something that I've ever really studied to a full extent. Um, because I always believe in like creativity is either within you or it's not. Uh, if you don't have it, it's very hard to learn it. Um, but if you have it, uh, you just try to find the right way to express it. So um, I think I think it's really it's really crucial that um, that you everybody sticks to what they feel is right and listen more to I would say to what the the inner ear says. Um, it's it's a very emotional decision to take a job if you want to take the right job. Uh, you can't always look at just facts and numbers and education and so on. You have to look at what you really want to do. That gives you such a drive and a power and 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 an urge to succeed that um, you can make a, build a brand like I did. I have to say and admit that it took time. We're celebrating our 11th year now. We are, I would say, definitely international. Are we known by everybody all over the world? No. I, I hope not, I have to say, because I don't want to be known by everybody. I just want to be known by the right people. I think that the connoisseur, uh, the, the world traveler, um, people that get around in the world that are interested in fashion, but are not so much interested in the brand itself, but more into the story behind it. Uh, those are the, the customers that I'm, I'm, I'm seeking, that I'm, I'm looking for, that I'm interested in, and um, a, a real wonderful part about my work is that so many of my customers over the years have become friends, some of them very close friends. And, and if you ask yourself, how can that happen? It can only happen because you share the same values. If you, if you have about a good like 80% overlap in your values, uh, then that's a great base for good friendship. And it's going to last. I, I can't be super surprised to hear that you say that you end up in many occasions being becoming friends with your customers because I was very impressed with your relationship abilities when I met you. Very, very strong ability to connect with people. But you're right. I, I can totally imagine that when you're connected with somebody who has your same values and appreciates the same things that you do, of course you're going to be connected to them. And that makes wonderful sense. And right, how the more interesting work becomes for you when your customers also become friends. I think that's lovely. Yes, because from... From real friends, you get real feedback, and they tell you right away if something's wrong. Yeah. Not, other customers may not do that. A, a person that comes into the store and uh, shops around and goes out of the door, never comes back, probably had a, an experience that was not so good. I don't know. I, didn't never, I will never know why he didn't come back unless I take the phone and call him or write an email and ask about it. But uh, good friends are really important because they always tell you, exactly what's what's wrong and and they don't they don't try to be kind or sweet or nice and that's a good thing about friends and if you have customers that are your friends they tell you 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 got to fix this you know mm-hmm. and and that's a good part I, I like it it's it's more challenging it's more it's deeper it's more intense uh but it's better for everybody 
Mm-hmm. Well, and what I would say about that from my experience is that when a friend will actually really tell you what they think, especially if it isn't maybe what you want to hear or isn't going to be popular with you, it does indicate they really care about you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I do care about them because I like that feedback and I need it and I'm, I'm happy to get it. Well, and obviously it shows because that's you keep producing higher and higher quality. So, um, I, again, I just really applaud that, and I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing for our listeners to hear as well. That importance of receiving feedback and recalibrating your efforts with it, I think, is just a fantastic message that I think many listeners are going to walk away from today. Wonderful. Well, well, let me ask you this. I mean, here's what's interesting about where you're sitting right now. Literally, you are in a car in West Palm. I'm getting ready to go to your next appointment after you and I finish this conversation. So you're obviously a busy man. So I would love to hear if you could share with us, what's a typical day or a week look like for you in terms of your work? How do you spend your time? (laughs) That that is, again, another very good question. Um, If I try to see what I do on a frequent basis, uh, it's it's really hard to describe because I'm traveling so much and um, some things uh, come up and become rather urgent. Uh, that's always the case in textile manufacturing, that uh, there's an issue in the atelier with the new production of some, some new pieces that I'm creating or so, and then I just have to either take a flight or take the car and, and drive there, since everything we uh, manufacture and produce is made in Europe uh, within two and a half, half hours of a flight or within a couple hours of a car drive, I'm, I'm at the atelier and I can uh, look at things and talk to my, my people and, and, and fix it, uh, or at least find solutions uh, to fix it further on. Um, I think my, my, my regular work week, um, when I'm in Switzerland, let's say, to take that as a, as a scenario, is that uh, usually um, I do all the design work from my home office. Um, I work at home. Um, since I'm traveling so much, I realized a couple of years ago, or many years ago, actually, by now, that it didn't make sense uh, to have an office anymore because uh, I have to be the office. Right. Uh, and, and when you do design work, for example, it's like you can't do it on the push on, uh, of a button. You, you, you have ideas all the time, everywhere you are. And uh, so what I do is I, I take those ideas with me. I take a note or I have a picture in my head or make a quick draft. I take it with me. And then when the time is ready, I'll, I'll make that become um, a prototype or so and, and go from there. Um, so I do a lot of this design work at home. But as you correct uh, correctly mentioned um I'm also an entrepreneur, and I would say that's the rather tough part. Uh, it needs it needs to be done. So management uh, as the main task of a real entrepreneur is very time-consuming, uh, not always very pleasant, not very rewarding, to be very honest, mm-hmm. but it has to be done. And um, it is very important to have a, a good method for that, uh, to have... Uh, a good skill set, and uh, I remember back, back when I was uh, teaching uh, retail management at a German uh, university where I was a student myself, um, that uh, that was something that was always missing. Um, we, we all learn uh, about products, we learn about uh, marketing, we learn about manufacturing, but hardly do we ever learn how to manage 
And so that has become one of my um, my passions. Uh, and uh, I was very uh, fortunate that my father, who was also very management-driven, uh, was introducing me and back then also my sister to some systems, academics, methods uh, that uh, were very helpful and that uh, I'm also applying uh, today and that I need to reapply every once in a while because uh, they, uh, the, the system, the management method um, sometimes also gets lost, especially when you're a designer. You like to be more on the right side of your brain versus the left side. So sometimes I have to wake myself up and say, Ido, uh, focus back to the basics and uh, do it again. And that's also a part of, of, of uh, what I do on a weekly basis. Um, I would say too much. I'd rather do more design. But uh, as long as um, I want to have company be 100% in my possession, so I, I own 100% of my company uh, myself, I uh, can think of outsourcing parts of management, but not the main part. So um, this is, it takes quite a long time, uh, quite, a, quite a, an amount of time every week to do that. And then when that uh, weekend comes, Friday, Saturdays, I go to, um, I usually go to spend time at my store in Zurich, usually in the afternoons, because Friday and Saturdays are, for us are the days where we do most of our business. That gives me the opportunity to meet uh, clients, to talk to the staff, uh, to host events and so on. So that's what I do on Friday and Saturdays, and then we're usually on Saturday afternoon. We don't have the excessive opening hours that we're used to here in the United States. Uh, we close our store at five. Um, I usually uh, take time to go to farms, uh, spend the weekend there, come back on Tuesday mornings. Mm. And uh, when I'm there, I don't do anything except for taking care of anything that happens in France. That can be the Champagne or the Chateau itself. It's quite an endeavor, but that's about it. Nothing else is done when I'm there. This is really a place for me to wind down and recharge my batteries. Wow, Edo, how, what a beautiful narration. Thank you for that. Sounds very civilized to me, and but also I recognize just how very much hard work is involved. Uh, it is time for us to take a short break already. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Edo Popkin, who is the CEO and founder of Edo Popkin of Switzerland. We've been talking about the work that he actually does. How does he spend his time and such? After the break, we'll learn more about really what's ahead of us and what he would like to do with the industry, if he could. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Where can you find a forum to help you make the best decisions in your everyday life? Listen for An Hour of Empowerment with Charles Haywood Ellis III. Each week, the program will cover a wide variety of topics you've asked about, from self-improvement to finances and matters as varied as education and urban violence. An Hour of Empowerment can be heard live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Be sure to stop by every week. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. 
To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. If you're just joining us, my guest is Edo Popkin, who is the CEO and founder of Edo Popkin of Switzerland. He joins us today from West Palm, Florida. We've been talking a bit about how he spends his time, which sounds really amazingly rich, but also, frankly, of course, um, difficult. There's a lot to the work that you that you have to do to stay on track and do the work that you want to do that maybe isn't square in your wheelhouse. It doesn't allow you just to focus on design, for example. Um, and I know that part of what you need to do here to keep yourself going, though, is is certainly your travel. Travel is a big part of your life. Um, what's that schedule like? Well, yeah, that's something that I would probably have to have to lay out on a piece of paper. Or <laughs> I can imagine to give you give you a profound and then complete answer. But um, um, for now, it it is uh, like this. We have uh, several uh, shows uh, that I have to attend, mostly on the fabric side, so where the mills uh, are represented. So I go to Paris twice a year. I go to Milan twice a year. Both are not far, which is good. Um, I uh, do visit my ateliers for my manufacturing um, twice a year, so every season, if you want, so they're all over Europe. Um, then, uh, of course, I come to the U.S. quite often. My The reason why I'm here in uh, West Palm is because my daughter lives here with her mom, and uh, I want to spend as much time with my daughter as I can, so uh, I fly to see my daughter every other month and stay with her for about two weeks. Uh, on the front end or the back end of that trip, I uh, add another four or five days uh, that I'm going to spend or that I'm currently spending or usually spend in Dallas at my store and uh, participate on events uh, like the opera dinner and, and the previous day uh, luncheon and other things that are happening in Dallas to also be present there. And um, yeah, then, of course, living in Switzerland, uh, the... The good part is you're in the heart of Europe. We have France, Italy, Germany, Austria, right, right around us, surrounding us, basically. And uh, so I do uh, a bit of travel by car, um, sometimes more than I like. Uh, love to use the train because uh, the Swiss train system is very, very good and allows us to work in a quiet environment, get from A to B, uh, have Wi-Fi and all these things at a very good speed. So the technology is there to make that convenient and uh, then of course everything that's further away and four or five hours of a drive uh, would uh, be would be the plane um, but uh, that's just the technical part of travel itself uh, what's really most important about travel is the inspiration that it gives me um, wherever I go I pick 
things up. It can be the color of a wall, of a sandstone that inspires me to do something new, or I can have sip a drink at a bar and I'm thinking about something, uh, or I'm walking across the river on a bridge and see somebody walking by. So inspiration is everywhere, all the time. It never stops. Uh, it's 24-7 if you want, so I can even be in your hotel room. Um, and um, so travel is important because you need to get out of your box to reflect on things. It's very important to, for me to look at my business from a different perspective. When I'm sitting right within, I may not see everything that I need to see. But when I'm going out and look back into it, uh, the situation may look different. Um, that's another part why travel is so important. And I can only recommend to everybody in this world who wants to do any kind of um, entrepreneurship, uh, wants to be an entrepreneur and then develop something, go out in the world, see things, learn languages. It's so important uh, to do just that. Um, and, uh, and, and, and enjoy doing it. Well, of course, I completely agree. As you, as we, as we spoke briefly, I have had the chance to learn a few languages over the years. I don't get to use them so much anymore. I've forgotten French entirely, unfortunately, but uh, Spanish and Portuguese are still important, and a little bit of Italian with the right amount of wine I can do. But <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> um, yes. Right. I, so I really appreciate that answer. It is so beautiful and full and rich, and such a better answer than I thought you might have might have given us. Um, I don't. I don't know if you. Um, it's kind of interesting to actually share that my dear, cute husband, who you met, Roberto, just reached the yeah. two million, the two million mile mark with American Airlines. So, the auspicious oh. mark. <laughs> yeah. I think he feels about travel differently than you do. But um, wonderful way to hear how it is that you incorporate travel into what it is that you do and use it for inspiration. Although I think that is a great, another great message to give to our our listeners. Um, the next, the next thing, yeah, the next thing I, along these lines, because you're, you're already kind of imparting it, but I think it's so, so important because as the listeners who've been hearing my show for a while know, I do recognize that work is a way that we can really express ourselves and or show, let the world see who we are or somehow impart or impact the world with who we are. So I, I would be curious if you could maybe narrate a bit how you think your personal approach to business or maybe your values contribute to maybe the manufacturing part of your clothing or the business you do in general? How does Edo show up in his work? Yeah, that's, uh, that's something that's, I think, uh, not only, not only a, a trend now, but I think the biggest line in the industry, uh, if I may say it this way. What I do is I create everything from the ground up. And that is, uh, starts at the fabric. Um, I know where the cotton comes from that is then uh, spun to a yarn and then, then those yarns become a fabric later on. I know where it's dyed. I know who is dyeing it. And um, our industry, unfortunately, has been driven by, uh, by always lower prices uh, for so many decades that... Um, Whenever a decent production is not cheap enough anymore, to use that word, uh, we'll give it further away. And um, 
So what happens if you give it further away? You're reaching out to countries that are underdeveloped, that have uh, already enough health issues within. And then you uh, create an environment um, as a consumer and as a company who is actually purchasing from those those uh, nations. Um, you, you're create, creating uh, pressure and stress and, and make work conditions uh, even worse, uh, because you're always negotiating uh, lower prices and so on and so on. So the ethical part um, about our business is what I love to change. So there's absolutely zero child labor in anything I do, and I personally guarantee for that. Uh, And then the other thing is that we only use um, natural dyes. We uh, use... 95% 95% natural materials. Um, the only thing that's not a natural material that we use is if we do a high-performance uh, outerwear for, for fall or winter, where we need the rain uh, and snow uh, protection built into the fabric, into the outshell fabric. Um, but even that, I source in Italy, and I know where it comes from. And... Uh, um, uh, and during that process, I'm 100% sure that there is absolutely no child labor involved, neither in the in the production of the fabric, nor in the dyeing or in the treatment after that. Um, so uh, that is something that is so crucial and so important today, uh, where a lot of people talk about green cotton and bamboo and all these things. The problem is most companies don't know what they're talking about. And uh, most people working at those companies don't understand what the company is talking about. So uh, I think there's a big gap in the knowledge and understanding of international trade and where things are made and how they're made. And uh, one of the projects that I'm going to work on more uh, when I um, commit that the amount of time that it would require is definitely to, to make sure that we'll have a better understanding, everybody, every consumer, a much better understanding about what it means to have ethnically correct uh, produced merchandise. Um, and that's not only in the textile industry, but that's where I'm going to start with. Um, and, and how much sense it makes to buy um, a quality product, uh, I would say one quality product over 10 10 cheap products um, and all the side effects that you eliminate if you buy just one good product. It's really about quality over quantity and about real, real great product over over mass-produced uh, things um, all over the industries. All industries are involved in here. That is something that is very meaningful to me and that I would like to work on more further down the road, support and help uh, countries uh, to do that. I had a little uh, project started in India and i um, still working on that, but I keep it a little bit quiet because I want to have full, full leverage on that uh, when we're ready for it. But there's a lot we can do uh, if we just do the things uh, right and have our value system in place and don't make our profit on other people's backs. Mm. I think that you are uniquely situated to lead that charge, Edo, and I think that's beautiful. I was really, I was curious to see how you wanted to to change and maybe reorient the industry, if you will. 
Um, believe it or not, we have about two and a half minutes left on the show already. It's already gone that quickly. I do want to make sure and give you, if you will, the last word. So maybe in, say, um, about a minute or so, what would you like to leave our guests with today? Well, I would like to, first of all, encourage everybody who um, wants to become an entrepreneur uh, to think it through thoroughly, uh, do the math, but also ask your heart, what do you really want to do? What's your passion? If you don't have passion for what you want to do, don't even start doing it. You can only fail. Uh, true winners are made uh, by passion and, and a goal, uh, a target, uh, a, a vision that has images that you can draw on a piece of paper. I would like to encourage everybody to draw out your vision see what it looks like, and then look at it again and see if it's really that great. Um, Try to do all that before you start. The next thing that I would like to suggest uh, is that whoever wants to become an entrepreneur, uh, there are always partners that like to partner with you because they don't have the ideas. Um, Choose them wisely. Use your gut feeling when you choose them, and not only math. Don't only choose partners because they bring, bring dollars to the table. Choose partners that share that vision and that passion with you. If you don't have them, it's not going to work. They're going to run away with your money. They take everything you have, and you're um, alone with the idea. Uh, well, let, let me thank you there. We're little, just at the finish there. Edo, thank you. What a fantastic finish. Please do visit him on his website at edopopkin.com. It's E-D-O-P-O-P-K-E-N. Listeners, thank you very much for joining us. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.